Hi. Hello. <laughs> we are glad to be with you all and welcome. And uh, tonight we have a very, very, very special guest. Guests, if you notice, I, I had it as plural. Um, Grace and Sung Pak. Sung and Grace Pak, they are joining us. And you're probably wondering, um, maybe you're thinking, well, why are we together? Because, well, I've known both of them for almost two decades, over two decades. Known Grace a little bit longer. And she was a student when I knew her. And so one thing that I, I think um, before we begin is to, I just wanted to ask, ask you, Grace, do you ever miss, because she was on the path to working on her doctorate with a professor by the name of Anthony Thistleton. And for those who are at all familiar with uh, theology, he is actually a pretty renowned biblical theologian. And uh, he went to, he is, he was a professor, I think it was, was it at Aberdeen or Nottingham or something like that? He was and, at Nottingham, uh, University of Nottingham. He was at Nottingham. Yes. Do you ever miss the, the academic world of theology um you know now and then I do but I think for the most part you do I thought you were gonna say no absolutely not look at the man I'm next to oh my gosh yeah that's why <laughs> I don't miss it no, but um if it was you know song versus Nottingham I guess I would have chosen song over Nottingham oh thank you, you guess thank you <laughs> yeah, so no I mean I do miss it but I you know my life has it's so so different I never expected it. I know never. I know never we're, we're gonna talk about that yes, yes. and in, in fact I, I think weren't you right were you writing it on your thesis or something like on epistemology or something like that oh, on hermeneutics metaphors was that metaphors oh, interesting like, yeah yeah Herman who Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's good to be with you both. Let me pray for us and then um, I'll share a little bit about the evening, what we're going to talk about. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for blessing us and for reminding us that you are sovereign. Uh, your ways are better than ours, your thoughts better than ours, and you know all about us. As David says in Psalm 139, that um, you know us so well. You've made us fearfully and wonderfully, and we can count on the full truth and reality that uh, every part of our lives has been woven, and you are the grand weaver, mm -hmm. um, the one who really has us together in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. um, every day is, you, is a day that you know you've numbered the hairs in our heads, and so I thank you that Sung and Grace in so many ways typifies all of that, that you are so good and you know all that we are doing, mm -hmm. as, especially as we're going through some of these challenges and this season of waiting and awaiting exactly what's going to happen. We trust in you. We believe in you. So thank you that you've proven that to us in so many different ways, but most of all through your son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Sung and Grace, you know, I've, like I said, I've known you for almost over two decades. And I remember when I first met you, you know, that was, well, like I said, for Grace, that was when you were a student. And, uh, but then after we reconnected, that was, that was after you got married, right? Mm -hmm. No, no. 
No, we reconnected before I got married. Remember, I came out to see you. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we, but, we have friends. Yes, yes. But that's right. And you and a, another friend of ours, um, Christine. Yes. And you, you had come to visit Sua and shared that you had met this guy and uh, at a coffee shop. <laughs> yes. And then... Then after that, you left. And then I think you called later or something like that. I can't remember that. So I would love for you to share your story. I know a number of people do know your story on, you know, just from the point of you getting together. Because that's so much. Because what I really want to do is talk about that time and then talk about your first few years. And then I had already said this song to Grace. But what I want to do is ask this one basic question to you and then sort of dovetail off of that, which is, uh, if you both could go back and give your, you know, yourselves whom you knew at, you know, at that time, if with your wisdom and your thoughts now, what words of wisdom would you provide? And it might, seriously, it's not, oh, don't do this, do this, don't do this, but it might be, here's what I would, I would want you to know for these first few years, not about necessarily about how you approach marriage or anything in terms of the actual getting married, but what wisdom would you, and what counsel would you give to your first few years to make an even more solid foundation? Cause I think that's going to help a lot of the younger couples to think through some of the formative years of marriage, which I do think those first three to four, three to five years are really pivotal. So um, yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing your story and feel free to say it and, connect, correct each other and do, you know, to explain it. And then that question, if you can answer that question. Okay. Do you want to? Whoever wants to head first. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Can start. So um, do you want me to tell the whole story about how we met? I don't think that's as important, right? Of how you, we you could, well, no, you could, uh, you could say it pretty quickly. I mean, okay. I feel like you could summarize that yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, say it quickly then. Okay, I'll, I'll say it quickly. Um, so, you know, great point, first of all, Sam, about, uh, I do hope, I, and I don't know, but uh, at some point, I do hope that a lot of the younger couples do get an opportunity to, um, to maybe hear our story, because uh, I do think they would, they would probably be the ones to benefit the most, and or those who are uh, of that season or of that age contemplating marriage, um, or in a significant relationship, um, I do think uh, they too might, uh, might benefit from from our experience, but um, but I was about 28. I was in the Air Force, and I was a captain in the Air Force, and uh, I was heading to uh, leaving California at the time. So I was actually stationed at a base called Beale, uh, not too far north of Sacramento, and this was in the uh, 98, 99 timeframe, and I was getting ready to go to Korea for a year. And I was a believer at that time. I'd probably been a believer uh, walking with God for about five, six years. And uh, one of the things that God did in my life uh, after I came uh, to know him was he drastically changed my perspective on dating and relationships. Um, and, uh, and so when, when God challenged me to have a completely different perspective on on relationships and on women and on dating, um, he basically took me into the desert. 
And, and I, I very much consider the three, four years uh, I was in Ohio and California as an officer and as a fairly new believer as a desert season. I wanted a relationship. I was in my mid to late 20s. I had always thought I would be married uh, somewhere in my mid 20s, um, but God had other plans. And he really kind of took me to this desert place. And when I say desert, there were like mm. no dating opportunities where I was located. And that was fine um, because I was heavily uh, committed to my work and my career and, and, uh, and just building um, a newfound relationship with God and really knowing him and really digging deep in all of his word and commentaries and, and concordances. And I was like just finding out about God. Uh, but at the same time, I was praying quite a bit about uh, wanting to meet someone and wanting to marry at some point. Mm. Um, so that was my time. I was 28. I was getting ready to transition to Korea. And a part of my thought in God giving me an assignment to Korea was, ah, that's what you're doing, Lord. You're going you're gonna to give me a Korean Christian wife out in Korea. That's why you're taking me there. I see. And so I'm getting ready to leave when my mom called me and said, hey, your older sister is about to have a baby and I need to be out in Boston. And so would you mind canceling any plans that you had for the summer before you go to Korea? And would you come to Evanston, Illinois and uh, man the coffee shop with your father uh, for the summer? So I changed plans and I, and I went to Chicago and I was going to be there for about 30 days before I was going to leave for uh, an assignment to Osan Air Base Korea with the Air Force, right? Uh, about the second week I'm there uh, at the coffee shop um, in walked Grace uh, with a friend of hers. And uh, our first uh, meeting wasn't that great. Um, I simply remember this and I know Grace will say I'm, I, I'm wrong, but this is exactly how I remember it. Um, she, she well, walked in. Well, if you in. exactly remember, that means you were attracted to me from the get-go. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, or she confirmed, like, I had, like, all these crazy stereotypes about uh -huh. um, a Asians in the Chicago uh -huh. area. And, uh -huh. and I hadn't been in Chicago or lived there for a long time. So so I knew a lot of time had passed, but my, my stereotypes were from back when I was in high school. And I just remembered, like, all the Asian girls, like, they would always wear black and, like, have, like, this, like, kind of goth appearance. And <laughs> so, so I'm in the coffee shop in the summer in Evanston and it's like 90 degrees and 90% humidity and in walks this Asian woman and she's in all black and I'm like ah yeah, there you go and this coffee shop was unique in that it wasn't one of your um, uh, kind of artsy type of coffee shop or a Starbucks it was a blue collar mom and pop coffee mm. shop near a college town but the vast majority of our customers were blue collar, catching the train, got their coffee black. Mm -hmm. She walks in and <laughs> she looks at me and says, um, I'd like an iced mocha, half 2%, half skim. And I said, what is that? And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll try making this drink for you. And so I spent the next 10 minutes making this drink for her and she took it. And then she said, oh, I forgot my, uh, my, uh, no, I no, you guys no. Take she, she had her wallet, but she didn't have any cash. Well, we only accepted cash. And so she brought out, brought out a credit card. And I said, we don't take credit cards. We only take cash. And so, so I took 10 minutes to make this drink. 
she couldn't pay for it. So I said, don't worry about it. And so then she goes and sits down. And then a minute later, she comes back up to the counter and she complains. And she says that the coffee is too watery. <laughs> so she confirmed everything I thought about this Asian woman from Chicago wearing black and she's high maintenance because that coffee drink was a high maintenance coffee drink and she's snobby. And so that was my initial impression of Grace uh, Pack. And, um, and so that was the end of that. Uh, the very next day or maybe two days later, she came back to the coffee shop and um, I was actually getting ready to run out because I was going to go play golf that afternoon. And so before I left, I just noticed that she was there. I recognized her because it was kind of hard to forget this person who didn't pay for her coffee. And um, mm -hmm. so she's typing away on something. And so I leave and I was gone for about five to six hours. And I come back after golf and she's still there typing away. And so um, I was actually at that time, uh, I was in the market for a laptop for my parents. And when I saw her, I just thought I'd ask her about her laptop and ask her what she was doing in the coffee shop all day. And so I said, Hey, I saw you in the morning. You've been here all day. What are you working so diligently on? And she said, Oh, you wouldn't be interested. And I said, no, I, I am. I'm really interested. And she said, well, I'm putting together a conference on theology and the arts. And I said, Oh, maybe she's a Christian. And so I sat down and we started talking about this theology and the arts. And then I just asked her, I said, are, are you a Christian? She said, I am. And I said, I am too. And up until that point, I hadn't had any fellowship for about a week and a half in that coffee shop. And so I was so excited that she was a Christian, that she's working on theology and the arts. And, um, and as the story would go, she came back to the coffee shop almost every day for the next two weeks before I left for Korea. And every day, every break, every opportunity I got, I would sit down and we would, we would talk and we would fellowship mm. and we would ask deep things about the mm -hmm. faith and, and our walk with God and what we're learning in the scriptures. And two of the things that I had been praying about um, when I was in that desert of dating, uh, two of the things I had really sought God's uh clarity on was if there are like two or three things god that that you clearly want for me in a in a in a future spouse what would it be and two were like preferential but one was someone who really is a student of the word mm -hmm. not just a a quiet time person or just you know and i don't mean that, i don't mean that the wrong way but, I don't know what but, that means. okay so so what i meant was you know i don't want it wasn't someone who just like reads devotionals or, yes. or reads a verse or two i want god really impressed upon my heart marry someone who is a real student of the word who loves the word and will dig into it and and really like will challenge the the, the meaning of passages and so on and so forth and, and has, has kind of a pursuit of doctrine. So that was one. And then the other two were um, preferably Korean American because I just thought that culturally and parents wise, it just makes a lot of sense that it would be uh -huh. someone that would uh, seamlessly, more seamlessly integrate into our family mm -hmm. and my parents. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing was, um, 
just someone who brought a lot of fun and humor, right? Uh, because I'm, I'm generally, believe it or not, I'm, I'm generally a, a kind of a sober, somber, serious uh, person for the most part. So, so those were kind of like the thoughts. So some of it was preferential, but the one that I really had in mind was, you know, just a real student of the world. So up until that time, I had not met any Korean American uh, people who have, was a tremendous student of the word. Cause in the air force, it's like 85% white. And, um, in the churches that I had gone to up until that time, it just seemed like all the churches I was finding, um, that were of the doctrines that I had been, uh, brought into the faith, um, just seemed like an older crowd and all the churches I, I ever, I was attending that I was in line with the doctrine. It just seemed like people that were, um, at that time I was in my late twenties, but it just seemed like congregations that were in their forties mm -hmm. and above. So it just didn't find anybody. Mm -hmm. So when I met Grace, I just yeah, thought, 40 and above those old people. Yeah. Those old people. Um, <laughs> so when I met Grace and at that time she was a seminary student, uh, getting her master's in theology. Um, and she was a real student, like literally a student of the world. Yeah. Uh -huh. And she loved the word. And then she was um, doing ministry uh, through her church and also in her community with theology and the arts. And I just thought, who is this person? Where do they, where, where have they been hiding people like her? And, um, and she was incredibly fun and funny as well. And just really um, light spirited in many ways. And so, and then she was Korean American. And so, um, and so here I am in this coffee shop, having conversations with Grace for the better part of two weeks. And I just started sensing my heart growing and growing and growing mm -hmm. in affection for Grace. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, what is going on here? Because uh -huh. I'm going to Korea and I'm not going to see her, uh, forever <laughs> and she's telling me about finishing her her seminary uh, her master's in theology and she's already lined up a a um a phd program in england so she's going this way i'm going this way she has no concept of life in the military in the air force i have no concept of uh someone pursuing a a phd in theology and yet I couldn't deny what God was doing in my heart. Mm. Can I ask Grace one question now that, uh, so the coffee shop is the way that some told it, the way that it was in your perspective? Oh, geez. No, why? What was different? What's first different? I had money, okay? So I did pay the first time. The second time- Are you I sure? Yes. Why would you say you didn't pay but, and you- but, <laughs> But I do have to say that I was very much like, um, you know, I, I just went to Starbucks and I, I would stop by this coffee shop. It was a very random thing that I stopped by there because I was just killing time with another friend because we were going to meet up with some other people. Mm. And so it was just like, I just went to this little mom and pop shop and I wasn't used to like a little mom and pop shop. I was just used to going to Starbucks, mm -hmm. ordering my drink, however I want. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and then customizing it. and then I that they couldn't even take credit cards I was like what is this and so you know 
that part i know that's not and that did you point. really say oh yes. this is too yes weak. i did i did yes i could picture you saying that and you but you didn't even pay for the drink and you no i did pay for the, I, told, I totally paid that's only time i did it she came back did later <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay that doesn't matter right now but the point is the point is you know and then um we went on a date a date that he forgot about and that was our first date that he asked me out and then he forgot about it and I had to remind him that we have a date and then he's like oh yeah let's go out tonight and so we went out um we went out to an Italian restaurant mm -hmm. And he was just so busy, so he forgot about it. That, At the coffee shop. Yeah. But so oh, yeah. Anyway, we went on that date, and that's when we decided we're going to try to, yeah. you know, date. And then he was leaving literally the week after to Korea. So then, long story short, we were talking on the phone. Um, well, well, before I left, on, on that date, and then this was our first date, and it was really, we only had one date before I left for Korea, that was it. And, um, and I didn't, I forgot. So that date was how many days before you left for Korea? How many days before you left for Korea? Maybe five or six, yeah, days, five or six days, five or six days okay. before I was leaving for Korea. So okay. we had only uh, talked in the coffee shop for about a week yeah. and a half at that point. And, um, mm. and one of the things I shared with Grace in our conversations was how God had kind of transformed my thoughts on dating and that the next person I would mm -hmm. date would only be someone that I thought would be someone I could marry, right? Mm -hmm. So when I asked her to have dinner, mm -hmm. um, I think she already had a sense of, oh, wait, I thought this guy doesn't have a date unless he's he's thinking that someone can, you know, someone he can marry, right? And then you forgot. And, and you I forgot him. because I was so busy that day at the coffee shop. <laughs> and so Grace called me, we went out to dinner. and um, And so prior to that, I just remembered like at least a couple of days before I asked her for that dinner, because I didn't want to ask her for that dinner. I just thought this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? But just God, again, really pressed it upon my heart that, um, that this is the one. She's the one. She's the one that's going to always, for the rest of your life, bring you closer and draw you closer to me. And so, um, and so that was such an affirmation and it was so loud and clear that God was speaking that to me, that this would be the person that would always draw you closer to me. Yeah. And so I asked her for dinner. We went out to dinner. And in the very beginning of dinner, I just put it out there. And I said, hey, Grace, you know, I don't ask someone on a date because of my dating thoughts and philosophy. And I wanted to ask you something. Would you be open to continuing communication while I'm away in Korea for the purposes of marriage. And I just put it out there just like that. And I thought she's gonna do one of two things. She's either gonna say, what, are you out of your mind? Or she's gonna say, okay. And she looked at me and she said, okay. And I said, okay. And so from that point forward, um, it was just very clear that we and I were pursuing uh, this relationship for the purposes of marriage. And, um, and we, we approached it that way. And then, and then literally six days later, I left for Korea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now you're in Korea. What's next? So then 
we were talking on the phone and that was before like I, we did have internet but it was like oh it was lame a lot of letter <laughs> no. yeah a lot of letter writing email uh-huh. but not like chats or anything like that so yes uh, like we spent it was a thousand over a thousand dollars in calling cards one for in, one month yes oh those calling cards oh those calling cards <laughs> <laughs> so then, what of, a time <laughs> yeah lots of calling lots of talking lots of phone bills so it was about a so uh-huh. technically we saw each other like physically about almost two weeks then he left for korea we talked about a month and then you know um he was stationed over at uh, osan and my aunt had a she lived there and she had a little hotel there my aunt and you know my uncle mm. and so he's like why don't you come you could stay you know at your aunt's house and we can um let's get married and i was like wait okay. wait and so, and wait how long were you dating up to that point when so you so said about four, four so weeks. yeah if you include our coffee shop time yes. if you include our coffee shop time oh, and God. our conversations uh from korea I mean, altogether, it was about four to five weeks at that point when I said to her, okay, so hey, yeah, when I said to her, I, I'd like to invite you out here because I'd, I'd like to propose, right? Uh-huh. And, um, and there was a couple things going on dynamically. One, um, you know, she was getting ready to leave for England and I didn't mm-hmm. feel it was appropriate for me to, mm-hmm. um, you know, have her rearrange plans for her mm-hmm. studies without some mm. type of commitment mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. and so um mm. so at that point you know i'd already known i already and you know people are like wait how did you how'd you know within like quite honestly i knew within that first week of our fellowship in the coffee shop within the first seven days mm-hmm. of us dialoguing back and forth in the coffee shop i knew that she was the mm-hmm. one and um and mm-hmm. so like everything else at that point was just added time and for me. Mm. And so, uh, so here I am pursuing her and she's got this whole pH thing that she needs to go off for, for the next three to four or five years. And I thought, okay, well, the air force is going to send me somewhere else after Korea, but, it, but I have no idea where. And so I was thinking like, okay, well, either she's going to go do what she needs to do and where God's leading her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do where, where God's leading me. And we're going to have a long distance relationship for the next three to five years. And I'm mm-hmm. 28 and she's 26. And I just thought, I don't see that happening. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to recognize, you know, I recognize that that's just not, I just don't see me doing that. And I don't see her doing that. And mm-hmm. for me to ask her, to reconsider her PhD, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I need to give her a commitment. I can't just ask mm-hmm. her to do that mm-hmm. in the hopes of getting married one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so one thing I should have mentioned was, you know, when I got accepted to that program, it was, I almost mm-hmm. felt like it was, I was like a Gideon, like, like it, it was very, you know, the, the um, requirement was very difficult to get in. And one of them mm-hmm. was, um, the prof- um, Dr. Thistleton, he was actually going to retire. And, you know, in Europe, when mm-hmm. you apply, you apply to study under somebody. And he was really mm-hmm. the only, you know, professor I really wanted to study under. 
um, especially mm -hmm. the whole realm of, you know, uh, language and metaphor and hermeneutics. And then mm -hmm. uh, when he came mm -hmm. out to Chicago and we actually met and he at that moment decided, okay, I want to take you on as a student. And he kind of said, oh, what a metaphor. Mm -hmm. Like, he, you know, he started off with a student that was writing about metaphor. Now he's ending his career on with somebody who's going to, you know, study about metaphors. And so uh -huh. just a very, like, like a, a sign to me. But like, even when I got mm -hmm. accepted to the program, I just felt like, I'm not sure. I, I don't know why. I had this really weird hesitancy and I had you know, broken up with another guy I was dating. I can't remember the timeline now. I, I, I can't there was a guy who I was dating <laughs> before song and it was surely like that, that picture was already out. We had surely broken up, um, you know, a while and there was like no one in sight. And I remember praying uh -huh. prayer like in the, in the spring, like I was like, Lord, I'm leaving in the fall. And if like, unless like there's a clear sign that you don't want me to go, like I get married, uh -huh. but surely that's not going to happen by the fall. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to this program. And then after that prayer, I meet some. So it was like, I was praying out like in April, May, and I met him in June. Mm -hmm. And then I was supposed to be off in the fall. And so when I met you know him and then you know mm -hmm. that's so i thought that that's also very mm -hmm. like it's very sovereign mm -hmm. how god works mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. nowhere in my mind did i even imagine that i would be dating somebody mm -hmm. at that point mm -hmm. interesting know? and even if i was dating like why would i not do my phd program we would just start to have dated you know what i mean uh, like it, yes it kind of even turned to marriage at that point so i would have still done the program. yes so yes. and so that i thought that was that just the timing was very interesting so anyway, mm. long story short, I remember right before I left for Korea, I flew to see you, Lin Sua. I think Carissa was a baby and you guys were like living in Walnut Creek. And, and Sung and I had already decided, yeah, we'll probably just end up getting married, you know, but we won't say that to any of our friends. And like um, Christine and Sua. We, we didn't know definitively. We, I, I knew that I was going to propose but I still had to get permission from the Air Force. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the Air Force sends people to Korea on a remote. So that means no family, no spouses. And so if for some reason you bring a family member or a spouse, you have to get special permission from the leader of your base. And um, that in and of itself was a very uh, sovereign uh, act of God because I happened to have a financial presentation to that, to that gentleman who was, a, who was a general officer and I was a young captain. And, um, and I, after the presentation, it went really well and I was having a, just a brief conversation with him. And he said, so tell me about you, what's going on in your life? And I just said, well, um, I'm dating this one girl and I'm gonna propose. And um, I just wanna ask you something, sir. What do you think if I propose to her, would she possibly be able to stay in Korea with me if we get married here? And then he says, tell me your story. And so I told him my story and how we met and how it had been like literally five and a half weeks and how I fell in love and how we had all these uh, things in common about the faith and so on and so forth. And after he heard my story, he said, 
if you tell my wife this story, it's approved. And so I went to his house for dinner and told his wife the story. And next thing I know, I got the approval that if was she was crying. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, I love it. the general's wife loved it. And, uh, <laughs> and so so basically, I got the approval that if Grace came to Korea, that he gave permission for me, if we were married, that she could stay in Korea with me. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm. So, awesome. so, so a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, I still want to make sure we have plenty of time for you to talk about specifically the, the counsel that you would give, because that's a pretty significant part of our time. So you have about maybe 10 more minutes to finish off the story of not just when you got married, but also the first few years. Oh, yeah. After. Okay, so, so if you, you got about 10 more minutes to do that. that. I'll just wrap it up. So then, you know, I come to your house, Sua's like, and Christine are like, we don't even meet, we never even met this guy. Who is this guy? Please, whatever you do, call us before you do anything. Please, like, before you get engaged, call us, call us, call us. And I remember in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get married. And so I remember like going to the <laughs> to the airport <laughs> fooling christine fooling sua and then um then i left for korea we get there within that week we got married mm -hmm. and without getting all into all the details but we went to the embassy we got married sua calls is crying and was really mad i'm sorry sua. <laughs> really you just threw her under the bus <laughs> it was because she didn't come on tonight and, and then Song was like, who is this girl? I was like, who are these friends that are like so against me? Like, <laughs> like you know, like who do they think she's marrying? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> yeah, and so anyway, so then we got married, and then as soon as we got married, like all suddenly reality, like is this? It's as if like scales came up, like came down, and we were like. What do we do? Yeah. So I mean, you got literally like like after we went to the embassy and we came out, we we're like, oh. So so it's like this. So like even as we're telling a story, if you could if you could hear us, like from the time we met with that bad coffee experience, to the time we got married, was literally like meeting before going into shelter in place, and then like getting married today. It'd be like it'd be like March, and then getting married in the beginning of May. But to us, as we were going through that, it felt so just methodical. It didn't feel like it was six weeks. It felt like six months. It just felt really, it, maybe just even natural. longer. It just it felt, felt so natural. natural. Mm. And so everything seemed so clear, so coherent. Until I think we knew in our, in our thoughts, we knew, okay, the parents, what, what are we going to do about the parents? Because that was our biggest concern was I didn't get permission from her parents, nor did I seek it. My parents clearly wouldn't approve of anything of this nature uh, and the timeline, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so we knew that there was, there was no probability of parental blessing at this point. And yet she was coming to us. It just seems so clear, so methodical. Mm -hmm. And 
um, and we knew the challenges that some of the challenges that we might face. But I think we felt like with where things were going in our lives, and yet the clarity with which we thought we should be together, <laughs> um, we didn't see like what are our alternatives, and how do we do this separated by a couple of oceans, and how do we approach this? Um, and again, it's not like I'm 21 and she's 19. I was 28 and she was 26. And so um, going, yeah, I'm 27. So, so it seemed a lot slower than we thought and it seemed much clearer. Mm -hmm. And as Grace just said, the minute we got married at the embassy and walked out of the embassy and we had like this hotel in downtown Seoul for two nights, that was gonna be our, our honeymoon. Um, the minute we walked out of the embassy and we were holding hands and I looked at her and I thought, this is my wife. And then she looked at me and she's like, this is my husband. Like something happened. Like, like, like she said, the scales came off and we were just like, what, what did we just done? do? Yeah. Like, what have we just like done? Women. What did we just do? Yeah. And that's, I think when like reality, the, the flood of reality, like sunk in. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now let's talk about the re flood of reality. Yes. Next three years. So from that point to your time in DC right after, right? Uh, after Denver, that was Colorado. Colorado. It was Colorado. Colorado. Okay. So, and I know DC was your greatest challenge, right? You would say? Yes. So maybe you could talk from that point all the way through to DC. And then you have about five minutes. So you have to do it in a, okay. maybe about like 10 minutes. Okay. You have 10 minutes to do it. Okay. So, um, so we got married. Parents and first. So we should talk about parents. Well, yeah, no. I mean, you know, obviously our parents were all mad and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really mm -hmm. have much to say about that other than, you know, mm -hmm. they finally forgave us after like our, yes. second, our third child. So we flew back. We actually flew back and from Korea. We flew back from Korea to uh, seek forgiveness from uh, both Grace's parents and my parents. Um, prior to flying back, um, we had some help from relatives. So on Grace's side, we had some help from her aunt who helped smooth some of the, uh, the news and some of the dialogue that we were going to have before we went back to, to seek forgiveness. On my side, uh, my grandma happened to be in Korea uh, at the time. And I, I remember seeing my grandma and telling her that uh, we got married. And my grandma mm -hmm. said, no, you guys got engaged, right? And we said, no, we, we got married. And she goes, which is like, you know, oh my gosh. And then my grandma, who's a Christian, mm -hmm. um, after the initial shock, she said, okay, we'll, we'll come sit down and eat, right? And it was so funny because like when my grandma said that, like it was like, to me, it was like her saying, what have you guys done? Well, it's done. Sit down and eat. You know, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> feed. Like, it's like a, yeah, such a grandma thing yes. to do. And she contacted my parents and kind of set the tone for our return. Yeah. And so we went back, sought mm -hmm. forgiveness. Uh, we got forgiveness in words, but not mm -hmm. in heart. And, many, um, many years. And, uh, and then several months later, we went back again to Chicago to have a formal ceremony, which was again, uh, quite awkward because we had been forgiven in words, but we had not been forgiven from the mm -hmm. heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we didn't, 
necessarily expect it either. We knew that it was going to be a long process. Mm. What we didn't realize is that um, we didn't realize Grace's parents were much more gracious. Um, but my parents, it took the better part of five years, five, six years before their hearts started to forgive. And so it was mm. a number of years mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. uh, they welcomed us back into their mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then so you went back to Korea and that was a challenge, right? Yeah. Well, because I think, you know, because I, you had not much to do. Yeah. Grace. Because, you know, th there's a lot, there's also this sense like, you know, oh, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. You love the word of God. I love the word of God. You love, you know, traveling. I love traveling. You like adventures. And then we're like, great. It, you know, theoretically it all fits and we're going to, it's going to be happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But because we didn't date and we didn't really know how we were, like all of that came out in our first year of marriage. Like one yeah. of our, I mean, like we both have very different family backgrounds, even though we're both from Chicago and from a Korean American family, but we both have very different backgrounds. We, you know, like he doesn't eat breakfast. I eat breakfast. I mean, simple things like that. <laughs> you know? But I mean, and, it was but everything. We really fight it was about everything. everything. We didn't you know? know. Yeah, I mean, apart from commonality of faith and com commonality of love for God's word and and, and, and some Christian and authors, and I mean, you know, we had we had we were we were, um, and this is where we were, we're really we were really lacking maturity, right? I think we both had this mindset of. Well, as long as we have the same faith, we can overcome anything. Yeah. Right. That's not the as long, case. As long as, as long as you know, we both seek the word for resolution on things, we'll be fine. And um, mm. and what, what we didn't realize, and this is what happens when you only know someone for six weeks, what we didn't realize <laughs> is that we didn't know anything else about each other, and and everything else that we found out were polar opposites. Like everything, everything from personalities to tastes, to preferences, to habits. I mean, we are just opposites. opposites. And so that just, that brought a lot of, you know, fighting, especially then. Okay. So then about year 10, when we were in DC. Yeah. Was, so fat, yeah, if you fast forward uh, to DC, so if you fast forward 10 years into our marriage, I mean, we had challenges. So we had three children by this point. Um, you know, Samuel, our oldest at that time was like uh, six. Yeah. No, Ellie, preschool. preschool. Ellie was uh, two years younger and then Michael was a newborn. And so we were parents to three young kids. And, um, and I would say DC was the first time where we truly experienced a major trial right and that trial was one i was incredibly busy at work i was probably working 70 hours a week at the pentagon and grace was at home most of the day six days a week with three young kids and also at that time we were defrauded by a housing contractor who basically took the entirety of our life savings and also took loan money so we weren't just broke we were broke broke and, and our house was in disarray and because our he house had, was, was gutted was yeah. demolished um 
and so um and so that, that the winter time that was, was nearing the winter right when Micah okay. was born. so yeah it was, I, in the fall. So it was cold yeah. it was late fall so it was the, yeah it was, it was um, that year 2004 so we had encountered a serious like trial we had three young kids i was yes. working incredibly long hours and it was in the midst of that where we really i think had conflict in our marriage that kind of had had peaked at that point mm -hmm. because we had arguments on a regular basis throughout our marriage up until that point but at, at that mm -hmm. season uh, it gotten to a point where we really began to wonder grace really began to wonder um you know is this guy uh, all about the air force or mm -hmm. is he uh is he a part of this family and this marriage mm -hmm. um and i began to just wonder mm -hmm. I began to wonder, are we ever going to get along? Are we ever going to be like-minded about anything? Um, and we were just really going through those, those doubts and those, those questions. And we were at about what, uh, six, seven years of marriage at that time. Yeah. I thought it was 10, but now that I think about it, it was probably about year seven. Yeah. It's about year, year seven. seven, year eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I remember Sam, we actually sought yours, you and Sue's counsel at that time, uh, either like you came out or we you guys came out to phone. DC for, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for a conference. Yeah, it was a sovereign grace conference. Yes. Yeah, sovereign yeah. grace conference. You guys yes. came out from Maryland and we yes. uh, coordinated such that you guys could spend a little time, time with, with us because we needed some, yes. we needed some, but uh, I remember like having, I, and I remember having this ultimatum with Sung and I remember telling you guys about it because I thought I was right. I was like, well, I basically told Sung, you, because you, you're 10 in the Air Force is about the time you want to get out before you commit another 10 years because right at the halfway mm -hmm. point, it's, you know, you're mm -hmm. making that career life, you know, commitment or you get out around mm -hmm. 10, like in the, for mm -hmm. his um, career. So I was really pushing, let's go, let's get out and then get a normal job and we can move back to Chicago because that's our home. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, he's giving his ultimatum, like, cause I think we found out that we we're heading to Alabama right after that. And I was not mm -hmm. wanting to go to Alabama. <laughs> and I said, listen, you go. And then I will go to Chicago with the kids or, you know, if you don't want to get out of the air force, then I guess we're done. And I remember totally thinking like, this is right. You know, you're wrong. And I remember you and, and Sue were like, you know, the fact that you can give that kind of ultimatum grace, you know, I wonder where you are spiritually. And I remember really feeling like, what do you mean? I don't know why I would say it like that, but I mean, you know, pretty much what you guys did say, like, where are you guys? And I remember thinking, what, what are you talking about? He needs to get out. And, um, and that's going to show his love for me too, that he loves me more than the Air Force. And um, so, I mean, there was like a lot of spiritual pride in my life. Too, you know, like there was a lot of pride and, you know, me demanding, you know, his, his, you know, loyalty. And I, and you know, that was, I don't think mm. I was, you know, right. And for me, mm. I, I don't think I recognized how deep I was into career, um, my identity with the Air Force, uh, mm. and just how significant that culture that I had been a part of since I'd been mm -hmm. 17. I didn't realize mm -hmm. to what extent that had um, a real pull in, um, in my life as a Christian, um, mm. you know, I, I didn't, I didn't see it as a battle. I didn't see it as a conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until that time. And that was the first time 
where I felt like, okay, well, these are like, they feel so opposing. Uh, me mm. being Air Force and me being a person pursuing God. And, um, mm. and, and the conflicts that I was having with grace and uh, really, really brought it to a head. Um, mm -hmm. and so, uh, and so I, actually when you guys came out, it was kind of funny because Sam, you know, you and I didn't know each other all that well at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I, I just remember thinking, oh, what's, what's he going to say? And, uh, and, 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 you know, I just want to be, hopefully I'll just be open to whatever he is. And, and you just kind of like, like you, like you did what you always do is one thing you gave me a book. I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember exactly which. Oh, it was, yeah, a, look, it was a book about purpose in life, something like that. But um, but you know, I think you just kind of said to me, you said, "Hey, son, it's not even so much about getting out of the Air Force, but it's more about Grace needs to know. I mean, she needs to know that at the end of the day, that she's first, right? She needs to know that, and I don't know how you can demonstrate that to her." but she knows, needs to know convincingly that she's mm. first. And if she knows that, then I think she will submit to being a part of your life in the Air Force. But that has to be really clear. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a challenge for me to say, and to really pray through, can I give the Air Force up, right? Um, if, if truly my wife and my kids and God is first, then surely I should be able to give up the Air Force on a moment's mm -hmm. notice. Uh, if it's truly opposing my family and my wife. Mm. Um, and I thought that would be a really easy thing to come to God and say, yeah, of course, God, mm -hmm. I'll give it up. And when I really wrestled with God on it, I found out that it was a lot more difficult mm -hmm. than I thought mm -hmm. to, to yes. say with sincerity and with integrity to God, yes, God, I will leave. Mm -hmm. I will leave the air for mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, and to come to that place was a lot harder mm. than mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, and so Grace and I went through about a year's worth of a journey on that mm -hmm. point of, mm -hmm. am I willing to give it up? Does she know mm -hmm. that she's first? Mm -hmm. And can Grace see that that's real and mm. submit uh, to mm -hmm. her life in the Air mm -hmm. Force because she knows she's first mm -hmm. and that God mm -hmm. is first. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was like your process and, and God, brought us out of that season mm -hmm. in a better place. Yes. We have only about, yeah, not that much time left. So I really want to hear your counsel for other couples. But I do think that in many ways, I'm going to do what I don't necessarily do all the time, which is uh, allegorize here. So I'm going to do that anyway, just for the danger of it. But, uh, you know, in many ways, I almost feel like many times we have, um, every one of us has an Isaac you might say that we need to be willing to bring to the top of Mount Moriah and be prepared to sacrifice and to say, Lord, I give this up. I think everybody actually has something. Mm. And you know when you've really given it up because you, you almost grieve it. Mm. Like there's a grieving actually because mm. you sense, okay. Like for me, it was ministry actually. Mm. I think I've shared that story with you that mm -hmm. – um, there was, that was my Isaac, you might say. Mm -hmm. And I do believe everyone has that. And if you haven't actually grieved over the loss of it, it's like the rich young ruler. You know, he had his money. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing Jesus said, all right, do this one thing. Mm -hmm. He just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And for Abraham, it was Isaac, mm -hmm. you know. 
for you is the Air Force. Mm. You know, the thing is, I think other people know what it is even sometimes. They can see it, but you can't see it. Right. You know, because you, you can tell they're so invested into it. Maybe for someone, it's, maybe it's golf for somebody. Maybe it's, maybe it's their spouse mm. or their children, you know, or their children's success. Or So there's always something that we need to be. And I do think for a really successful marriage, both husband and wife need to be willing to surrender unto the Lord. Mm. That one thing that we say, no, don't ask me to give that up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just something as you were saying that song that it just came to my mind. Yes. Yeah. Counsel. Oh yeah. yeah. So after, so after we're here. Yeah. I think that's so, I think that's so spot on that, um, that if you haven't been in that place, I think God will bring it to that place. Maybe he won't, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's, and I think you do know that you've been in that place when um, you, you, you find that it was a battle. It was a struggle mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a rough. And, um, mm-hmm. and I thought I had been through that, but I did, I guess I hadn't, but uh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I'll give a couple, I'll give a couple lessons learned. Okay. And then if you want to share a couple of lessons learned. We have like two minutes. Okay. I'll make it as quick. No, as no, no. You have, you have, a, you have about nine minutes. So, right, so we, we give a lot of lessons learned, first and foremost, to our kids, because our kids ask, hey, so, hey, mom, dad, you guys met and got married in six weeks, so surely we could do the same, and we say, if you do, we'll kill you, <laughs> right? So, um, so clearly, uh, you know, we, uh, <laughs> we don't view our path in any way, shape, and form as a recipe for anybody else. And, uh, and there is um, a lot of circumstances. circumstances. Yeah, it's a very unique circumstance, very unique situation. And what seems so clear to us at the time. So can I jump in there for a second? Which yeah. is, I mean, I've been thinking about this. Um, your, I mean, your situation is so unique. It, it actually had almost these really certain circumstances that I don't think inherently is God dishonoring. You know what I mean? Mm. That if like, maybe asking the question of, Hey, can I get, well, can I date someone and get married and your kids? Let's say do that in six weeks. That doesn't really take into account all of the different uniqueness of your circumstance. You know what I mean? Because I think generally, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Like there's a lot of lack of wisdom, but given certain context, it doesn't, it's not inherently wrong. And it could actually be a God honoring thing. Because right. I, when I hear your story, I don't hear like, oh man, that's, that's just so evil. Like what well, you guys were so unwise. And I don't hear, I don't really feel that even though I wouldn't think that's a general rule across the board, but I do think, so what do you think about that? Yeah. So I, I agree with you, Sam. I think, um, you know, we've, re, we've replayed it a number of times in our lives to say, could we have done it any other way? Could we have, could we have made it longer? Could we have taking it to our, you know, and we've wrestled with that. And, you know, when we've replayed it, um, in hindsight, we look at each other and we say, you know what, if we tried it any other way, we would have probably not, we would not have been married. It it just wouldn't have gotten there. We don't see how it could have happened uh, from a horizontal perspective. Yes. And so, and so, and so we do see that God brought it together in the fashion that he did. And it wasn't maybe ideal from the world's eyes and it did cause much pain and it took years of reconciliation but we also believe sovereignly that that was a part of the process of bringing us closer to him refining us and building our marriage 
Um, so, so we do see a lot of goodness from it as well. We don't recommend it, mm. but, but I agree mm -hmm. with you. We don't, we don't view that in that time that we were spiteful and we didn't view ourselves as, as mm -hmm. being, uh, 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 an angry fist toward anyone. It was just the nature of where we're at. So we don't mm -hmm. we don't advise it. We don't recommend it. But but what we would say is obviously you know a couple of the lessons learned that we've had um, through our first years of marriage. Um, first and foremost was conflict. I mean we had so much conflict, and a lot of it was because we didn't know each other. And this notion that particularly young couples, the notion that uh, just as long as God is in the center of your marriage and the Bible is in the center of your marriage. Um, you'll be fine. We learned through the first five to seven years of marriage that though that may be true, it could be much easier, much better if you surround yourself with community, with godly community uh, in your marriage. Um, because part of the challenge that we had in the Air Force and because we moved so frequently, we had so much conflict in our marriage, but we also had very superficial community, godly community in our lives surrounding us. And so when we had conflict, our conflicts were dealt with just with each other. Um, we didn't mm -hmm. have parents to help us with conflict. Mm -hmm. We didn't have close Christian friends that were proximate to help us mm -hmm. with conflict. Mm -hmm. We had relatively like a superficial new relationship with the pastor. So we wouldn't really go to them to help mm -hmm. our conflict. So we felt very much like our conflicts had to be dealt with us and we didn't have mm -hmm. a community to go to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and over the years we've learned how to deal with that. And mm -hmm. there are times even, you know, last several years where I'd say it was challenging and, it's the building and the having of a robust mm -hmm. godly community that mm -hmm. it's such a significant aspect mm -hmm. to sustaining a marriage, mm -hmm. growing a marriage and getting through seasons of conflict, not alone mm -hmm. in the marriage, mm -hmm. but with others. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. we so desperately needed that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that would have made our marriage mm -hmm. so much healthier and easier mm -hmm. in times of conflict. That's, that's, that's a big lesson learned for us. I, I, one thing I want to say is, you know, because, you know, you guys were, you know, part of our lives, I mean, at least mm -hmm. not distance wise, but, you know, you guys were always our friends throughout, you know, the 20 years of our you know, marriage. Um, that really, you know, that was a big reality check because we can come to you guys and we can ask you questions. We can tell, tell I mean, I know many times where I would pour to Sue about, you know, all the stuff that's going through. That we were going through and so that was a big source of um you know help because if i didn't have like that voice where people were telling me what i'm doing wrong or where i'm at i wouldn't like know who I, who else i would have gone to because you know i just mm. didn't have parents and close friends mm -hmm. um, anymore mm. at that point so that was you know mm -hmm. you guys youtube definitely you know were um you know very fundamental to you know making sure that our marriage was where we are now and mm. even coming to san francisco i mean it wasn't you know i would lie if it wasn't if i'd say i just came here randomly i came here because you know we were here because of wellspring because of the ministry and we believed in mm. what you and sua were doing and we both like you know resonated so much with you know 
what you guys believed in. And so I think that was, you know, that's why we ended up where we are um, because we wanted to do life with friends that could keep us accountable, that we can be real yeah. with, that we can be transparent with. And I think that's so important um, because, you know, life is so short and when we're not doing that with friends uh -huh. and family and we're just saying everything is fine when it's not, by that point, mm -hmm. you're just holding it. Your marriage is over. By that mm -hmm. point, like it's already too late. And when friends try to come and help you, it, it's too late because you guys have, you know, you guys haven't been sharing. You guys haven't been transparent. And I think, you know, for us, like, I, I, I really could honestly say it wasn't until like year twelve or thirteen where I actually thought it finally started to get better. But you know, prior to that, mm -hmm. we were just. I mean, it was. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of, you know, arguing and I, I, I can say, you know, confidently now that, you know, we don't, there's no way for, I feel like our marriage is so much better. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we still have issues, but it's nowhere near. <laughs> so, yes. So I think, yeah, I think, I think learning the yeah, value just... of community um, and um, recognizing that that is a big part of conflict. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would add too is um, you know, I always thought that, um, you know, the person you marry, you're gonna, you're gonna have so much in common with and that, um, and that, you know, marriage is work. What do you mean marriage is work? Come on. How hard can marriage be? And I think these are like some like incredible fallacies that, that I actually bought into that, you know, when mm -hmm. you fall in love and you marry someone and that, you know, most of the things we'll have in common and whatever differences you have, come on, it can't be that hard. Right. As long as Christ is the center. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, uh, what I would say, and I don't think I exaggerate when I say Grace and I are so different in, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing about having conflict and resolving conflict. It's another thing that what I think I am thankful that God has revealed and he'll reveal more as we continue mm -hmm. to be is he begins to show that as you work through conflict and you don't shy away from it, but as you actually mm -hmm. work through it, and you work through it biblically, and you work through it with the desire to truly have peace and reconciliation, um, not only does he resolve and deepen the relationship, but all the differences mm -hmm. that you're gonna see, so many of the differences you begin to appreciate. You actually begin to mm -hmm. see the beauty of the difference and what mm -hmm. God does in having two people who are so different come together mm -hmm. And what it can mm. bring in terms of ministry, what it can bring in terms of raising kids, and what it can bring in terms of community that it couldn't bring yeah. clones of one yeah. another. Um, yes. And so it takes takes years. And I think so many people never get to that place because they quit. Yes. So so much conflict just leads to quitting. But if you mm. can get through that season, um, then I think God begins to reveal some amazing things about the mm. beauty of the difference and the conflicts mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. So that's another. Mm, that's great. Yeah. We're going to have to end it there, but um, oh, thank you both so much. Thank you. That's a lot of great wisdom. I think your story in many ways is, like I said, it's unique. It's not something, I don't know too many people who are going to encounter the same story, but there are a lot of great underlying principles that are behind that. One is God's providence and sovereignty. He knows what he's doing. Mm. You followed him. You're trying. I think the common thread that I heard throughout is that you wanted to find somebody 
who love the Lord, who loved his word. And even though, yeah, right, it's on the one hand, relying on that as our, the, um, to be what binds us together, it, you, you hope there is more. But you know what? In the end, it, there is more for both of you. I, I know if we were to spend another hour, you could talk about, well, okay, here are a lot of the things. Yeah, we're very different still, but here are the, all the blessings that we have in being together, in our, even in our differences, such as the amount of cleanliness or the amount of, you know, sort of the whirlwind, the grace whirlwind. Oh, I won't say what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Violin playing. <laughs> oh, God uses all that. Hey, now, yes. I, I, I think, right, is, as, a, as a part of this deal, didn't you say that, like, every couple at Wellspring now has to do, do this? <laughs> exactly. You know? I vote for Suyang and Minjay. Oh, yeah, Suyang and Minjay next? How about Amy? <laughs> oh, yeah, Amy and Steven. Yeah. <laughs> we already saw them yesterday. <laughs> Sharon, oh. I vote. Oh, yeah, Sharon and Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you both so much. And um, yeah, all blessings to you. Thanks. Thank you. Good night, guys. Good night, Wells. Good night, everyone. Good night.